Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Doug Lay, Maurice, Ashley Bastock, Irie Harris. Normally, of course, this is when you would hear our game preview pod, but the Browns are playing the Houston Texans this week, and who really cares about the Houston Texans? Uh, so I thought this would be a good opportunity to take our normal preview pod, and we'll still make some game picks at the end, take our normal preview pod and turn it into a Deshaun Watson roundtable, because that, of course, is the story of the week. Deshaun Watson is back for the Cleveland Browns after serving his 11-game suspension for violating the league's personal conduct policy. Uh, He will start against his former team. A lot of storylines here, and I just thought this was a good opportunity to take a look at some big-picture questions Uh, concerning Deshaun Watson and his time with the Browns. I want to just start with the big one. Um, And this is a true or false question. And we'll get, we'll kind of just go around the horn and get everybody's thoughts on this and discuss all these questions, but true or false, the Browns have to win a Super Bowl to make the Deshaun Watson trade a success. Now I'm not putting a time frame on this. It doesn't necessarily have to be in the next five years. It is a five-year contract, but you know, barring something crazy, Deshaun Watson will be here for a long time. Um, but however long his time as the quarterback is for this team, for this to be a success, true or false, the Browns have to win a Super Bowl. Doug, what do you think? So I feel like I do have experience with questions like this because it's the kind of thing that happens with Ohio State all the time. Right. Ohio State, you have to win a national championship in a time frame. If Ryan Day doesn't win a national championship in the next five years, that kind of thing. It's it's constantly a question with Ohio State. And I very much am a, am a believer in being in the mix, consistently being in the mix and taking the field 17 weeks a year in the regular season as a legitimate Super Bowl contender, that kind of thing, being in the playoff, giving your fans the opportunity the entire offseason and the entire season to believe that you could win the Super Bowl, that every day you wake up and think, my team could win the Super Bowl this year. I think there's such incredible value in that, that at times I don't want to put too much on actually doing it because it's hard and lots of teams are good and you need a little luck and you have to be healthy and all those things that go into it. So normally I would say false, almost almost no matter what to this question, because I just think there's so many ways that you can have so many days and weeks and months and Sundays of happy hopeful football. But because of what Deshaun Watson was accused of off the field, I say true. 
So that makes it true. So every other circumstance, I'm a blanket false, but because of what they took on and what they did to so many fans of this franchise with that decision, I say true. I I think I agree with you because of that. Um, because you gave up, you gave up three first round picks. You paid him two hundred thirty million dollars. You took on this just absolute monster of at at best a PR nightmare. But obviously, that's kind of just belittling what these accusations are to just call it that. I, you can't make this move and you can't mire yourself in this controversy if it doesn't ultimately pay off in you winning a championship. And Ashley, I guess, I guess I'd almost look at like, it's, it's easy to say, Hey, it would just be cool to be in the mix. Like, like Doug was saying, it would be cool to be in the mix and it would be cool to just maybe make it to a Super Bowl or whatever. But then I also think about a guy like Patrick Mahomes who doesn't carry the baggage that Deshaun Watson brings here. But Let's say Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't overthrow that wide receiver in the Super Bowl or that Tyree Kill doesn't come open late on that fourth down and the Chiefs don't win that Super Bowl. Are we talking about Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs differently? I know it's a different situation and maybe it's just a false equivalency, but I I think even a guy like that, because of his talent level, it's like you got to win a Super Bowl with that guy. You just have to. And then when you throw in everything else with Deshaun Watson, who is, I think maybe not as equally talented as Patrick Mahomes, but maybe he is, he's close. It just feels like you've got to win a Super Bowl with this guy. I think you absolutely have to win a Super Bowl for this to be a success. You know, Doug, I thought I was going to have a prime chance to disagree with something you said, and I didn't know you were going to give an incredible nuanced answer that I 100% agreed with, and that pains me on some level. (laughs) You are are absolutely right. And, you know, I, I know, like, I'm going to use an NBA comparison, even though like these two leagues are not all the time entirely comparable. But like, I think about LeBron James, right? And how great of a player LeBron James was. But what was the number one discussion of his career for so long? It was that he had to go to Miami to win a championship and he couldn't do it here. If the Cavs did not win that championship in 2016, I think not only would the discussion around the Cavs be different, the discussion around LeBron James would be different. It wouldn't have mattered that they made it to four straight finals, that he made it to eight straight. It would have just been different. And I think it's like that in the NFL for quarterbacks who are on a comparable level for this league. Like you said, Dan, Patrick Mahomes, like, I think the discussion around those Chiefs would absolutely be totally different about, is their window closing? Are they wasting an opportunity? Is he really the guy? Is Andy Reid the guy to coach this team? Does he need more weapons? All of those discussions would probably be happening right now. Uh, And I think, you know, of course, if the Browns don't win a Super Bowl, those discussions are a lot more serious, I think, and nuanced because of the -the off-the-field allegations Deshaun Watson has faced, like Doug correctly pointed out. I think the only reason you go and take on a guy who, like you said, Dan, at best has this PR storm following him, at best, the only reason you do that is because you think he can win a Super Bowl. Like you think you, you think he is the deciding factor in you winning a Super Bowl. That's the only reason that it is worth taking on all of this and all of the risk and all of the distraction and all of the criticism you are going to get. Irie, um, I mean, you've heard all of us kind of make that case. I, I guess to me that the thing that keeps rattling in my brain is like, you know, 
that just somebody watching all this and at the end, somebody is completely detached from the Browns and is just kind of observing the NFL from above. Just looking, looking at looking at this and saying, you did all that just to lose in the divisional round? Or you did all that? To, you went through all that and took all that on just to lose in the AFC championship game? Like, I know Browns fans would give anything for that. But, you know, you're a guy from Philly. You've seen a team that, that you know well win a Super Bowl. You see what it means to a city. Like, it's just different. Do they have to win a Super Bowl to call this a success in the end? You know what, Dan? Um, respectfully speaking, asking if the Browns have to win a Super Bowl for this to work is like asking if, you know, you should use a bag to clean up when that, whenever your dog uses a bathroom. And I mean that within this. That from Andrew Barry to the Haslam's, they sat down and it was I I, I don't want to put it as like an angel and a devil on both shoulders, but there was like the okay, how about this? The red pill and the blue pill. The red pill was deciding with them winning, waiting longer after this long history of losing, thinking at some point this will come, or morals and going after a quarterback that at best as we've seen who's not who hasn't even fully hit his prime yet is a top five caliber quarterback and can lead a winning team when in, in the right situation on a terrific team full of talent so they chose between winning or morals and he went with winning so in the end of this all just you know within hypotheticals if this was not to work and as you say they lose in the in the divisional round they're Lost with both. If you're going to choose between winning and tomorrow, it's just like this franchise has with the PR nightmare, everything that has occurred uh, since Watson came in, in March. You're thinking, all right, I give my morals away, but we at least have to win just to kind of make up for it to show, hey, this is why we did that, even though I know that's morally not the right thing to do. If this team, this roster doesn't, you know, if this does not go the way that we expect it to, then yeah, it's a failure on, on both ends. So if you're going to take, if you're going to choose one over the other, at least make sure you come up with that and not just be left with, with nothing at that. So yes, this team does have to win. Yeah. That, I mean, is it, is it kind of that simple? They, they sort of, when they made this trade, they did choose, they chose to kind of win at all costs. And so now, now you have to win at all costs. In a city where the chase for championships has taken on something else, right? <laughs> right? I mean, that's the thing, too. That That's part of this, too, that obviously the Cavs at least got the city a championship, but that the Browns have not even been to a Super Bowl amplifies everything. And we have become, as a sports society, like we are championship obsessed, right? I mean, that that we define everybody's careers. We define legacies, right or wrong, but we define them by how many rings you have, even if you are a great player and maybe not having the rings. I don't know if this is true. It's kind of what Ashley said. This might be an urban legend. I'm not even sure where it happened, but I think there was a player. I can't remember what sport it was, who was arguably the best player in his sport. And then when he left that city, a local publication ran something. It was like a picture of him with a little arrow that said no rings on the guy's hand because you were so obsessed with championships that like that was the only thing that mattered right of all those things where's the championship i don't know if that doesn't sound like a thing that the publication would do that uh, again but it's the kind of urban legend that crops up around the absolute championship or bust mentality that again when you put it in cleveland when you add everything that comes with the sean watson and those accusations it amplifies 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 something that might have been there anyway Right. To some degree, it would have been because Patrick Mahomes, right. Kansas City has won championships in that city. Patrick Mahomes has nothing, nothing, nothing. But yet 
Dan, you're you're contending there would be a discussion around him if he didn't have one. So we're most of the way there to championship or bust with great players, no matter what. Yeah, it, it's just that's how we talk about guys, right? And then when you just add in everything that the Browns took on and and kind of like what Irie was saying, sort of, you know, throwing any sort of like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't do this, just throwing that out the window uh, because you think you have a team that's that's basically a great quarterback away from winning and because you know you are in a sport where the fastest and best way to contend year after year is to have a great quarterback. And there's only like, what, five truly great quarterbacks at any given moment in the NFL, if that, and they very rarely become available. And when they do become available, they rarely look at a city like Cleveland and say, oh, yeah, I think I want to go there. All of that sort of conspired here. And it happened for reasons that it happened because, A, he wanted out of Houston. And then, of course, he faced 20-plus lawsuits um, for, for sexual misconduct during these massage sessions. And it all conspired to him being available to a team like Cleveland. And they they pulled the trigger on it. And I think, I guess we have consensus on this. They do ultimately have to win a Super Bowl with Deshaun Watson at quarterback for us to to, to look back on this and say it, it made sense. Is there more, though? Like, is it just, hey, go win a bunch of football games and all is forgiven? Or... Like, like, is there more, is there more to it? I guess like, does he, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry not to cut you off, Dan. I'm going to jump in and say, yes. Like, I think, I think, and I, I said this, I've been talking about this and this is obviously, I think an incredibly nuanced thing to be talking about, but we talked about this yesterday, just the two of us on the podcast. And I, I think it's about more than just winning games for a lot of people. I think, like you said, there is a segment of people who I think are okay with this move right now, as is that they only want to talk about football. They don't want to talk about the off-field stuff. There is a segment of people who are so mad about this move, and I think rightfully so, that they don't even want to watch the Browns anymore. And I think maybe the the extreme ends of that spectrum are never going to change. To get more goodwill, which I think – you have to remember too, Deshaun Watson was a guy who before these allegations was kind of beloved in the city of Houston for doing this, for, for doing things like giving his first game check to arena workers who were affected by, I think it was Hurricane Harvey that year, who who did these things with, with community outreach. So I think he he knows kind of how to do these things. But I think for a lot of people, it's not just going to take that and getting involved in, in charitable causes and the community it's going to take showing some actual remorse, which I think a lot of people, again, feel like he has not done. You know, there was that sort of pseudo apology that we got before the Jacksonville game that I think we said at the time, like, we don't know. If, I don't know if this is as strong as people are, are thinking of an I'm sorry that, that people were thinking that it was. Um, because then in that August 18th press conference, he kind of came back out and maintained his innocence. And he has maintained his innocence. And of course, today, he did not take non-football questions. So he had didn't do it today. But you know, we can assume that that's all we've heard from him so far. So I think for a lot of people, they're going to need to see some actual remorse from him over all, you know, over two dozen sexual misconduct allegations is a lot. The scope of this has not been seen in this league. You know, Sue L. Robinson in her initial ruling said this is kind of, this is unprecedented. And it's true, it is unprecedented. But I think that more than anything is kind of the the X factor ingredient that he's going to need to get some goodwill and for this team to get some goodwill back and people to trust that, okay, this was a good decision, that 
it, it's not just about winning games for either party here. It's about him stepping up, I think, and showing some kind of remorse for all of this, however he wants to do that, whenever he wants to do that. But I don't think you're truly going to get like, you know, loads of people back on your side overnight. It's going to take, I think, years of this and years of people getting used to seeing him out on the field again. Yeah, that, that sounds right. I, I think at some point you you want to hear him say like, you know what, I went through this counseling as part of this suspension and it gave me an opportunity to reflect on what happened and the situations that uh, that I was in and just reflect on kind of what he did wrong or, you know, what he, what was alleged here in, in these lawsuits and start to kind of show some contrition and, you know, do some things in the community that, that sort of changed the narrative on him. So look, this is all complicated. I know it's complicated for Browns fans. And, you know, as we kind of move on now to, to a little more of the football side of this, um, you know, there's some fans that just aren't going to want to root for Deshaun Watson. And, and we get that. And that makes sense. And there's some fans that are, yeah. and that's, that's their right too. Yeah. I, I just, I think, uh, I think the people with the strongest feelings like aren't listening to this pod and aren't going to watch the game on Sunday. I think some of those people like you, you might've lost them and some people are just ready for the football. And I think you're allowed to be ready for the football. And so I wonder, I just think there's a, if he wins and as time fades, I just think as that's how good or bad, right. That's how it works. A lot of times that I, I think if he wins and he doesn't talk about it and nothing new happens and he just kind of goes and is, you know, he, he had that community stuff that he did before and then the people that you lost with the decision to bring him here are gone. And then I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if like contrition is going to come or is needed because and I'm not saying you're wrong, Ashley, but like, no, I think there, I think it's OK here, to be cynical about this somewhat, too. And, like, and, I, and it's like if you're if you just you, if you think if like if you believe his version of events, right, which some people do. And again, he was never indicted. If you believe that or you think, listen, hey, man, there's lots of imperfect people playing sports. I'm just here for the game, which also that's I mean, that's an absolute sports is supposed to be entertainment and, a, you know, a way to kind of get away from life. So those people, I don't know that they need anything else other than like, let's go. Let's go win some football games. So I almost feel like just. There's a world of like Deshaun Watson, comma, like link to all the stories and things that were said so that people, if, if, if you want it, right, like in a digital world, if you want to know about the accusations and about the off the field things, click here. But if you don't, this is a football story because the football is being played, right? I mean, I don't. And it's kind of up to up to the consumer almost because I think the Browns have made their choice, and I think Watson has made his choice about how he's going to handle this going forward. Which is, I'm not going to talk about it anymore, and that's it. Well, and I think so, it's yeah, and I think that's important to to note, right? Deshaun Watson, because of who he is, has a microphone to talk about this at any time he wants. Like even though he just talked about this today, if he walked in the facility tomorrow and said, "Hey, you know what? I want to tell my side of the story." They would set up a podium for him and we would talk to Deshaun Watson for however long Deshaun Watson wanted to talk about this. Like there are a lot of people who who maybe don't have a voice, who will never have a voice, like, you know, who maybe believe they were, you know, wronged by him in these massage appointments who will choose to never talk about it. And that's their right. And I would understand why they wouldn't want to talk about this, given everything that's happened with this. 
But he does, this is how he's choosing to handle it now. And I think because of that, you know, we saw it today. You can only ask him so many questions about this. And I'm sure there are people who are mad who, you know, watch the press conference and think, why didn't we we hammer him, quote unquote, more or whatever. But when you get no comments, like that's that tells you what you need to know. And th- those are included. And but that's the reality of the situation. He's he's chosen not to comment. That is his, you know, in, in an interview, you can do that. Um and that's what he's chosen to do. But I think that's a story as well. And and that's why it's in my headline today from this. And I think that that's more than fair because that's what he signed up for. That's what the Browns signed up for. But this is tricky. This is not, if, if you can't tell from listening to these answers, this is not easy stuff. This is not easy. These are not easy conversations to have. No, they aren't. And, and the one other thing too, you know, from the Brown side of it and the whole Super Bowl thing is no one gets called into the owner's office and gets to keep their job because they took a moral stand. You know, that that's kind of the reality that, that Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski face in all of this, too. Like, you go 9-8 and eight and losing the divisional round every year, eventually you're going to get kicked out of the building. And that's sort of the that's sort of the conflict the NFL creates in situations like this, I think. Um, that, yeah, maybe you do want to say, no, nah, I don't know if we want anything to do with this guy. But also, right. eh, it's sort of our job to win football games. I mean, when you come down to this trade being made, it comes back to that. The NFL is a business, right? Like, that's, that's what the crux of all of this is and what people need to remember. The NFL is a business at the end of the day. So that's why winning games and what happens over the course of his career in Cleveland, I think, is so important to... You know, like we said, it's a big piece of him rehabilitating his image, the Browns rehabilitating their image for signing him. And and I think, like Doug's saying, kind of like the the piece to people being able to move on and think of him as a football player again. And, and I will say, Dan, I think you're right. right? Obviously, the football is what, what matters because that's what makes money and that's what gets trophies. And we we long have had it's it's a dual discussion. There's a Deshaun Watson discussion, the discussion that this franchise that we cover the franchise. We have we're talking to listeners who care about the franchise in Cleveland. They chose to bring Deshaun Watson here. If something new happens with Deshaun Watson when he is a Brown, I don't know that the franchise can recover from it. So that is part of it too. That you are yes, you have to win football games. You also chose to bring this person in was not indicted. That's when everyone wanted, you know, right? Okay, the grand jury doesn't indict. There's not a criminal thing here that he is going on trial. Okay. If if they brought this guy in and something new happens, Dan, everybody's done. And it won't that yes. won't be the most important thing. Yes. Everybody involved. Yeah. The Haslams will never be forgiven. Andrew Barry will not be forgiven. Everybody's on the hook with for this because you staked your reputation on that guy's reputation. So I, that also certainly matters. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think you're right. Okay, we're going to talk about the football side, but you know what? Let's let's take a break before we do that. Uh, so we'll take a break here, and then when we come back, we will get into a little more of the football side with Deshaun Watson's return to the field in Houston on Sunday. And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We're doing a Deshaun Watson roundtable. We'll do some picks at the end uh, for Sunday's game. Also, Lance Reisland uh, is going to tell us a little bit about what this offense could look like with Deshaun Watson. Irie, next question on our list. Which player benefits the most from Deshaun Watson's return for the Browns? I'm just going to go with the obvious uh, regarding Amari Cooper. 
four-time Pro Bowl wide receiver, somebody that even with all of what we spoke about regarding Jacoby Bissett, the backup quarterback fitting within this offense and hopefully keeping this offense stable, this is still a squad that, you know, it, it, that will enter Sunday uh, 11th in points per game. And top five when it comes to passing yards per game, when you speak of Amari Cooper, who was top 15 in receiving yards, total receiving yards, top seven in total touchdowns this season. And he's doing, and he was doing that with Brissett. This is no knock on Brissett's ability of being a quarterback because he's shown that he deserves to be a quarterback in this league. But we know what type of player he was and, and what he was limited and what he lacked. And he was still able to produce that with Cooper, who's who, to Cooper's credit, is still amongst the top when it comes to some of these stats. And that just gives you the thought and potential between how this can happen, skying through the roof between Watson and Cooper. I mean, this this could be a duel straight out of Madden or something in that sense. So a little um, behind the scenes here. Uh, Ashley and I recorded a podcast yesterday, and I said we were kind of going through Quincy Avery talked to Mary Kay and said that, uh, this was the most talented team to, that Deshaun Watson has played for. And I said kind of off the cuff on that podcast without doing any research that Amari Cooper was maybe the best receiver Deshaun Watson has played with, completely forgetting that DeAndre Hopkins existed as a human being. And I was like, player. I thought I, in real time. I'm like, I actually at about, at, I don't remember when it was, but I realized like, wait a second. I don't, I don't want that in the podcast. I actually went out before the podcast went live. I cut that part and uh, re-uploaded I, the new audio. You are I, tricky, Dan. I thought something was missing when I listened back. Listeners, I if you yeah. don't know, I listen back to every podcast. I've like gotten over the sound. <laughs> Most people hate the sound of their own voice. I've, I've gotten over that feeling. Dare I say I love the sound of my own voice? But oh, I love my I, voice. Oh, your I know you fine. love the sound love of your mine. own voice, Chuck. I know love. that. So no, good. but I, I felt like something was missing, love Dan. It. You know yeah. what? That was in real time. I remember thinking, like, is he forgetting DeAndre Hopkins? I'm not going to say anything. You couldn't tell though. You couldn't <laughs> tell that it was like, that it was cut. <laughs> it was great very, editing, very seamless. But great job. the reason I bring that up is like, you know, Deshaun Doug had this great connection with DeAndre Hopkins in Houston, and I think DeAndre probably has a, f- a fair amount to do with Deshaun's early success in his career and, and kind of developing into the quarterback he's been in. Amari Cooper is not DeAndre Hopkins, but he's really good. I mean, he's a, a top flight receiver. You know, he's, a, I think I would probably put him in that tier just below the very, very top. Um, and, and, you know, like a guy like Hopkins in his prime, but I think Irie's right. There's some potential here for Amari Cooper, who's already on pace for a career year to just have one of the best years of his career now that Watson is back. So he's 13th in the league in receiving yards. He's 11th in targets. And so the question is, is he going to get the ball substantially more than that? Now, I think the thing we won't see is the handful of games where it was like, do they remember that Amari Cooper's on this team? Like, did he, did they forget that he came on the trip? He has three targets, right? Didn't he have like maybe two games like that this year? But but the, the games where he's, you know, he's had multiple games where he's had 100 receiving yards and he's been the focus of the offense. I wonder how much his production will actually increase because I do think you could almost make a case that like maybe everybody else are going to be bigger beneficiaries because Deshaun Watson might spread it around a little bit more. So I'm, I think it's a good answer, Irie. I am super curious about it because when you draw the line and if you say right now he's... 13th in receiving yards and 11th in targets. If you go now from here to the end of the season, will he be 
top five in the league in receiving yards with Deshaun Watson? Will he be top five in targets? Like, I don't, I don't know. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if it actually went down a little bit because Deshaun is going to be able to maybe get to other guys rather than leaning on Amari as much as Jacoby did at times. I think the quality of those targets could go up. So it might be less targets, but it might be more quality targets and more opportunities for him to catch the ball and maybe run with it and make big plays. I think think Irie's right on this. I think Amari Cooper needs to be like near the top of this list of guys that that we talk about. And by the way, uh, Irie did the research on the, uh, the Amari target discrepancy came to game uh, a oh. few weeks ago <laughs> yeah that yeah that that's yeah you're right on that and yeah to, to your credit uh, just like you say yeah there were many a games where you know the, the game before he's putting up 131 receiving yards halloween night for cincinnati you're thinking wow this is amazing look at him go open field and then next game versus miami and he even said it in the pressure, too. Only got three targets. But as he said in the pressure, he called every single one of those three targets to his credit. He still called them all three of them. But, yeah, I mean, there, there should be a, a more better consistency to where you have this guy that is up there when it comes to best receivers in the game. And if you have a quarterback like Watson in that sense, there should be some consistency to make sure he's always involved in the offense. There shouldn't be any type of sense, like you said, of forgetting or like leaving him out of the game plan and using other guys when he's the best receiver on the team. And I'd, I'd say probably the third dangerous weapon on his offense, right behind Chubb and Watson. You can put Watson, Chubb, whichever one, but yeah, within that range. Ashley, who do you have? Yeah, so I am actually, I'm, if I can get motivated enough after this podcast, I'm going to have a story up on this, uh, but I will definitely have a story up on this at some point if it's not later tonight. Um, I'm going to go with Nick Chubb. So I'm going to go away from the past catchers and just go, I'm so interested in this idea, and I've tried to get at this with different people all week, including Deshaun Watson today, Joel Batonio today, um, about how he is going to impact this run game and really just open things up. And I've been thinking about all week, you know, this is why Wyatt Teller is such a good quote on this team, because Dan, when we were talking to him after the game, the Bucks game on Sunday, he brought up if opposing defenses tried to put eight guys in the box, good luck. And I think that's probably right. Like that's maybe the most honest and direct answer we've gotten about what this run game could look like with Deshaun Watson. Um, I think playing with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt is going to be great for Deshaun Watson, but I also think it's going to be great for, for this running back room and for Nick Chubb specifically. And we talked about this yesterday, Dan, like the split second hesitation that it could cause when you see Deshaun Watson and Nick Chubb in the backfield together and Opposing defenses are probably going to even be wondering at times a split second, take them to realize where the ball is. And that split second is enough for Nick Chubb to run right past you and find that gap because he just needs that split second. Um, So beyond the the pass catcher answers, I do think Nick Chubb is really going to benefit a lot from Deshaun Watson playing alongside him and being the quarterback of this offense. Doug, this run game is at its best when Joel and Wyatt are out there looking for matchups blocking and they leave Nick Chubb with one guy to beat. And I I think we might have games where Nick Chubb carries the ball like 15 times and has 130 yards. Yeah, it's like the Cooper discussion, right? It's quantity versus quality. That there was a world where, hey, I don't know. It's like there were times it's like, all right, well, they're going to throw to Amari Cooper, and they're going to give the ball to Nick Chubb, and like that's how they're going to try to win in the past 11 games. And so maybe 
quantities go down for the two best skill guys, but the quality goes up. So again, I'm really curious to see what it looks like because there's also a version of like, all right, if you got Deshaun Watson back there, I mean, do you want to, how often do you want to run it versus how often you want to let him do what he's going to do? So, but I do think it's right. I do think it's, and it is about the quality. I think the, you know, as much as this wasn't efficient offense in, in by many, many metrics while Jacoby Brissett was in there, I think there's going to be more explosion. Um, there's just going to be more threat, right? That every time like the, a defense is going to feel more, whether it, you're throwing it or running it, they're going to be back on their heels a little bit more. So I do think that idea of you get a better version of Nick Chubb, even if the carries go down slightly. So Doug, what is your answer to this question? So I'm refuting my own answer before I even give it because I, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I like this. It's a little off the beaten path. And I was like, no, it's actually, it's actually wrong. So I'll give it anyway. Uh, I said Jedrick Wills because I thought the idea of, listen, like I, you know, sometimes you'd watch Joe B- Jacoby Brissett and it's like, man, that guy's just kind of standing there holding the ball, kind of waiting for stuff to happen. And when he starts to move, he doesn't move all that fast. But then like you looked at the like the PFF numbers of sack percentage and how often he was hurried. And they have a stat about like the number of pressures that turn into sacks. And like Jacoby Brissett's not that bad. And then you look at Deshaun Watson and like 18, 19, 20 Deshaun Watson is like most sacks, most sacks, third most sacks. So I was like, oh, Jed Wills, who is 43rd out of the 58 tackles who have played enough snaps, 43rd in like pressure, pressure percentage allowed, right? Jack Conklin's 11th. So Jed Wills, you know, he was giving it up a little bit at left tackle. And I was like, oh, you get a more mobile guy back there who could move around and sort of like make up for your mistakes. And I was like, no, that's wrong. Deshaun Watson holds the ball. So I don't know. I knew you would come up with somebody weird. <laughs> I, th- I thought you might say like Corey before. Was I hearing things? Did like... you say Jed Wills? Was Jed Wills your answer? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. See, we're going to leave somebody out, I think, who I was also thinking of, that we're going to have to have an honorable mention well, that's, section. That's of okay. Dan will say it. Dan, yeah. Dan still has his, though. I do. I'm actually, yeah, I'll just, we're not, yeah, I'll just, I'll just say. We'll that. have an honorable mention section. Doug, we, Doug, we respect your answer, but we're going to move on from it. Yeah. It doesn't, Sorry, it's, Doug. it's inexplicable and not worth talking about. Anyway. <laughs> that would be a great description for this podcast in general. Not this I, episode, but just the whole podcast. I'm I'm going to throw out one. This actually, I actually probably would have said Nick Chubb, but I knew mm-hmm. Ashley was going to say Nick Chubb. I'm because you knew go... what I was writing. Let's be honest. You knew <laughs> I was writing it today, and that's on the forefront of my mind. Recency bias. So mine is not just a player, but also the unit that player represents. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go with Miles Garrett. Oh, that's not who I thought you were going to say. Even when you no. said the unit that that player represents, that's not Ooh, who I thought you were yeah. going to say. Interesting. I thought you were going to say David Njoku in the tight ends. Yeah, that's so a good one. That's yeah. a really, Doug, you, that's Doug, who I you said we were going to leave off. But that's I, who I, I, saved that's who I thought was going to leave off because Dan, you are like, I mean, rightfully so. I think the, the most, um, how will I look <laughs> at this? You were the most objective observer of David Njoku on this podcast and I think the I won't say critical because that has too negative of a connotation I've come around on Njoku this year you you have come around on him but you definitely I think have been um the most wary of of I think (laughs) overhyping what David Njoku is is that fair to say yeah that's probably fair but I do think, I mean, Deshaun Watson has historically used his tight ends. I don't have the numbers in front of me, so these might be a little off. But I think, like, 12% of his touchdowns when teams are in 12 personnel, some crazy stat, have, like, been to tight ends. Like, 20% of his touchdowns in 12 personnel have come to tight ends. So, great. 
great stat if you're David Njoku. <laughs> but I think Mary Kay, you know, has the one who's been who's been saying that David Njoku really, I think, could be unlocked, that he's never had a, a quarterback like Deshaun Watson throwing him the ball. We may be. Browns fans are hoping got a little taste of that with his 12-yard one-handed Odell Beckham Jr.-like touchdown catch last week against the Bucks, But I think that's going to be really interesting to see how he how he uses those guys, but David Njoku in particular. But anyways, Dan, on to Miles Garrett and the edge rushers. Yeah, so I'm looking for um, I'm looking for the quote from Jadavion Clowney from back in June, and he ba- I mean, he basically said he was going to go where Deshaun Watson went. Like he said, if John would have gone to Atlanta, he was going to go to Atlanta. Um, so I'm looking for why he, but, but the point was basically having a great quarterback makes life easier on the defense. And that's, you know, you're going to be in positions where you can rush the passer more because you're going to be playing from ahead. There's not as much pressure on you as a defense. If the, if your offense can go out and score, um, you can play a little more, you can take some more chances because if you give up a score, your offense can keep, you know, you can keep pace. You can get into a shootout. Um, so, you know, this, I, I can't find the exact quote. I found, I the, found the quote. Okay. I, I found the quote, I believe. Um, is it this Dan where he said, I talked to him a few times before he signed and after he signed, we stayed in touch during the whole thing. If he comes here or if I come, what is going to happen? I told him if he goes, then I will follow him over here and I will go back. That is what it came down to. Like he just straight <laughs> up said, that is what it came down to him re-signing with the Browns. Yeah, and and I think he just, you know, he kind of laid out this idea that life is easier for a defense when the offense Mm. is effective. And Deshaun makes the offense that much more effective than it was going to be. You know, no disrespect to Jacoby, who played great, probably had the best year of his career. Um, But it's just different with Deshaun Watson. Now you can go out there and there's going to be opportunities for these guys to rush the passer that maybe they didn't have before. And uh, so, yeah, I'm going... I should have said Njoku. Doug, you should have said Njoku. But no, I'm going Doug Miles. I'm going Miles Njoku. That's, that's a good answer still, Dan. I liked, I mean, I, I could have said Njoku, but I took a more unconventional answer. Now, you two just went more unconventional than me and not directly, like, <laughs> impacted by Deshaun Watson being out there in terms of the offense. But I do think this is fair to say that these, these edge rushers, I mean, overall, like, I remember that Jadavian Clowney quote. I know we didn't find the exact one that you were thinking of, but I remember the gist of it. And it's that when you are an edge rusher as a defense, when you have a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, you can simply be more aggressive as a defense in a lot of ways because you can take more risks. So for the edge rushers, what's that look like? It comes with like, you know, rushing the quarterback and, and those kind of plays. Like, I think we, when we talk about this defense needing, game-changing plays and when we talk about the kind of quarterback Deshaun Watson is like there should be almost like this chain reaction I think when you have a a quarterback like him and part of that chain reaction is going to be that this defense feels like it can play more freely or more aggressively uh, because they know they have a quarterback who who kind of I guess makes it possible for their margin of error to be larger as a unit and that's a really interesting idea Here's here's the quote I was looking for. Uh, the question was if his decision this year was about offensive personnel, if that mattered. And he said, it did this year. I was all about where my boy Deshaun was going. When I talked to them, I said, I played with him. He kept us off the field a lot. I was like, I know you're going to keep us off the field. You put up a lot of points, put us in rushing situations instead of having to stop the run all the time. 
I just wanted to go play with him and see what I can do with him again. I only read the quote. That's just me taking a victory lap. But I am gonna, right in I know. Miles Garrett and the past. And can I say year. I'm going to be full on, I think, campaigning this year for Jadavian Clowney to be our good guy media award winner. Because quotes like this, man, he just tells it like it is. He says what's ever on his mind. When you talk about quality over quantity, that's a Jadavian Clowney interview. Because, man, we don't talk to him every week. But when we do, it's always eventful and newsworthy. I will say this about David and Joku. Again, I think it's a quality versus quantity discussion. That in twenty and twenty one, when he was smothered by the Austin Hooper experience, David and Joku had one game out of twenty eight where he had at least six targets. Like they weren't using him this year. In nine games, he's been targeted at least six times. Six times. So six out of nine games, he's gotten at least six targets. In 2018, he had eight of 15 games where he had at least six targets, right? So they used him, and then like Kevin, Freddie, then he was hurt, right? And then Kevin Stefanski got here, and they brought in Austin Hooper, and they didn't use David Njoku. They are using him this year, right? I mean, I think like, again, but will you get even a better quality of throw and stretch the field? And we've seen Njoku, right, the Chargers game. Like, if you, this is a guy that, that can do some stuff down the field. And so that idea... Um, and maybe like the next time there's a pass in the back of the end zone, he can jump like a foot lower and because the pass will be slightly more on target compared to what he had to do last time. So again, the, the quantity has been there for Javon and Joku, who, as you guys said, all off season is their number two receiver, but the quality of the throws should increase with Deshaun Watson. Pretty easy targets too. Some of them tight end screens, things like that. Okay. Let's do another break here. And then when we come back, we are going to get into the prediction business. Welcome back to the Orange Brown Talk podcast, our Deshaun Watson round table. All right, let's do some predicting here. The Browns record this season with Deshaun Watson will be blank. A lot of Browns fans are thinking running the table, maybe getting to 10 and 7, competing in the division. Um, the Browns are 4 and 7. They did keep themselves alive with that win. They've got, let's see if I can do this off the top of my head, Houston at Cincinnati. Versus Baltimore, versus the Saints, at Washington, and at Pittsburgh. So not like a not like a murderer's row schedule necessarily. It's an interesting schedule game discussion that we could have here. Yeah, who's uh... so I w- I will say just to interrupt very very quickly the four teams the Browns have beaten so far this year have a combined <laughs> twenty wins, right? So the four teams they have beaten have a combined. 20 wins that's an average of uh what's well, that's an average of five wins per team right the, the 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 six teams you just named dan they have a combined 30 wins which <laughs> is an average of five wins per team so anyway the quality of teams the browns have managed to beat is similar to the quality of teams they have left on their schedule just wanted to throw out well, that math it, and it's just like Analytics. interesting because like the ravens are weird right now like who knows what you're gonna get from them week in and week out the commanders are not like the giant joke necessarily that everyone thought they were gonna be like hey they might actually be all right so it's interesting they match up well with cincinnati we know that like this is an interesting stretch. The Saints aren't, you know, great necessarily. We know what the Texans are. I think we can make a prediction at what all these picks are going to be like. Like they could vary. You can chart a world where they win all these games, right? So does anybody want to make that case? Does anyone want to plant their flag and say the Browns are going 6 and 0 and they're going to be, you know, they could end up AFC North champs. 
No one. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> I didn't I didn't expect that. Five and one? Then you're at least in the wild card hunt? Like part of me it's it's interesting. Like it's an I, I think there it's possible it's possible, right? But like it's just so hard. Like I just can't get over the fact that he has not played in seven hundred days in a regular season game. And I think this transition might be more seamless than a lot of people are expecting, like because of what we know of how he's been preparing and, and how he might fit with the parts around him. But I don't know. Five and one is a lot to ask right now, like for a team that's four and seven, you know? Okay. Let me hear five and one. Do you have five and one? No, six and <laughs> oh, no, six and oh, five and oh, four and two. Who's got a four and two? Four well, and two. That's... Actually, Bastock, four and two. Yeah, that's kind oh, of Dan Lavin's got a four and two. Dan Lavin at eight, four and two. I think we're eight and nine. The I, think we're at, I think we're at eight and nine for the second straight year. Honestly, I mean, I, I predicted, I predicted they would go eight and nine. That was my season yeah. prediction. So I guess if I want to be one of those guys who's like, well, I made my season prediction, I'm sticking with it. I got to say four and two. I, d- you know, it's interesting because they have Houston here, who they should beat pretty easily. I mean, they could start. Kellen Mond at quarterback in this game and they'd beat the Texans. Um, Cincinnati is a team they match up really well with. Like Kevin Stefanski has dominated the Bengals, but I still just don't, I don't completely trust that the Bengals aren't going to figure this thing out eventually. Right. And like, just not get boat raced by the Browns every time they play them. I, I so think the, the Bengals, <laughs> the Bengals play the chiefs this weekend, yes. right? Right. Yeah. I think it's, it's like an AFC championship game rematch, whatever. I'm not so sure that like if that hosting the Browns next week isn't the biggest game the Bengals have left. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, can you imagine you're the Bengals? How much the Bengals want to beat the Browns? Right. Yeah, especially the because like, like you've only just shut Greg Newsom up, right? Because like he just talks about them. So and, the way he talks about them, Jamar the way Chase, team talks about them. Jamar Chase yes. is gonna be back. You know, like I Joe Burrow, like they're they're rounding into form a little bit. Their one game is still very susceptible. Um, I think the Bengals are starting to figure it out a little bit, and they know the Browns have had their number. So the idea of like, I thought absolutely first time around in Cleveland, no Jamar Chase. Like, all right, that matches up very well for the Browns. Now I think it might swing back. Like I think the Bengals might be wearing. You know, this is like. This is like the rivalry game now. Like the Bengals have, have – they made a Super Bowl, but they can't beat the Browns. And now the Browns are coming in like, oh, they had Deshaun Watson. Now the Browns, like the Bengals want to be like, no, 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 no. So like I think that's – there's going to be, I think, a lot of energy to that game. I think the Bengals really want to win that game, not just for the standings, but so, sort of like, hey, just because you got this new quarterback doesn't mean you're going to take over this division now. So I think that's going to be a really tough game for the Browns in Cincinnati. Irie, I think what makes this hard is we don't know what this looks like. And there is like a super optimistic, like everything goes right version of this where the Browns offense is just completely unstoppable for the next six games. And it's like, whoa, they figured it out. It was magic. They just needed to add Deshaun Watson. Like that is the super optimistic. They can still make the playoffs and win the division. And I think there's like a small percentage that that could be true. I, I wouldn't bet on it, but I think that's what makes this complicated. It could be, yeah, maybe they'll just go three and three, but there is like a tiny percentage where they could just maybe be this team we all thought they could be with Deshaun. You know what, Dan? As much as we're talking about Watson and this offense and 
if Watson will be the quarterback that we know him to be in his first game since week 17 of 2020. I mean, the doubts, at least for me, is, is not even coming so much from the offense. The offense will be the offense, whether or not it's really the consistency of everybody else, the defense, especially in attack. I mean, 11 games into the season, we just saw not only the best performance from this Browns defense, but this was the first game where when hitting an, an obstacle, they didn't just stout and just get, give up. They actually responded with aggressiveness and were, you know, so resilience for crying out loud. I mean, multiple times after the Browns offense fell down and were still down 17 to 10, the Browns defense still came back, forced pumps, three and out, three and out. I mean, from that all the way to the clutch sack by Miles Garrett on Tom Brady, you know, in overtime, this was the first game where this happened. There are still doubts when it comes to the consistency and even the question of if the Browns defense even fully got it together. So as many points as the Browns put up, are we really expecting this Browns offense to be that dynamic offense just off bat to be outscoring everyone so they don't the defense doesn't have to worry about playing a lick of defense? I'm not sure when it comes to that. So as much as we're talking about the offense, which is fair, which is understandable, there's still doubts within everybody else because Watson is not playing both sides of the ball. Nor is he going to return the ball. Uh, so those are where the doubts come from regarding the overall impact of this team in the final six games. Irie just rained on our Deshaun Watson roundtable by reminding us about the defense. Look, man, I, I, I'm sorry. You know what? I, I forget if it was you or Ashley. I forget. But one of – might have been Doug. It was probably even Doug who said this, just calling it like it is, honestly. So I, I'm sorry. But, you know, when, uh, when, when, when Watson – let's say that – okay, let's just say that Sunday the Browns – let's say the Texans win the coin toss. They choose to defer. Browns get the ball to start to have – we see Watson on the field – not not the whole Brissett goes on and then runs and gives the ball to Watson towards like Doug was saying last week. But Watson goes on the field, leads, uh, you know, and we know the Browns, Stefanski and, and Alex are the best at the opening script. And they go out and construct a no more than six to eight plays that lead to a touchdown within a, a minute 40. Wow, beautiful. Look at Watson. Sticking it to former fans that are booing with the crazy signs and all that. And then comes the Browns Steve is on the field, reminding us part of the reason of why they are in the situation now. I mean, that is, it is what it is. Yeah, like if Damian also, Pierce runs for like 55 yards on his first touch. <laughs> Go ahead, Doug. It can happen. I don't it care. can happen. I don't care. I don't care what Deshaun Watson does in his first drive because the Browns score in their first drive all the time. I want to know what Deshaun Watson does on the third and the fourth and the sixth drive, right? That's where you're going to see the difference. We know they can script an opening drive, but like, is he going to save them in situations where it's like, oh, wait, that didn't, you know, the, th- the things Stefanski called up didn't work, but Deshaun saved them. I, I'll, I'll be very curious about that. The other thing I think you have to keep in mind with all this stuff, the Browns, Deshaun Watson coming back is, is the biggest in-house player edition in the league, right? The second biggest one might be Chase Young coming back for the Washington Commanders, and that will affect the Browns. T.J. Watt wasn't on the field when the Browns beat the Steelers. He's back now. J.K. Dobbins wasn't on the field when the Browns beat the Ravens first time around. He's now in the window to come back from injured reserve. There are some other teams. Uh, Jamar Chase, right, was not on the field when the the Browns – the Browns who weren't themselves also played some teams who weren't themselves. And some of these teams are going to be more themselves. So um, I do think, I mean, you look at it, 
Cincinnati, Baltimore, and Washington, those are three teams trying to make the playoffs. And then Pittsburgh, New Orleans, and Houston are three teams that are not going to make the playoffs. And how lively could New Orleans and Pittsburgh be? I think I think Pittsburgh, by the end of the year, that last game, especially if somehow the Browns are pretty good, like if the Browns are 4-1 and one with Deshaun Watson and somehow like in a playoff race and the Steelers could ruin that for them, I think that could be a heck of a game. They're 3-4 and four with Kenny Pickett. They were one and three without him. The Browns beat Mitch Trubisky before they were going to put in Pickett. Not that Pickett's great, right? But like the version of the Steelers that the Browns beat earlier in the year, that's not who the Steelers are anymore either. Just like the Browns are not going to be that Browns team by the time they play Pittsburgh again. Okay, so we left off at four and two. I I think I'm landing. I'm in that three and three, four and two range. That's sort of where I expect them. To, to be is that I mean does ever is everyone do we sort of have consensus there that like three and three four and two I mean no one wants to go crazy with the uh, like five yeah. and one or six and zero oh, nobody wants to be like ah they're gonna go one and five I just think there is there's a world like I said it's reasonable I think to expect them like oh they they could win all six of these games or you could be even crazier and say they should win all six of these games but. I just think like you can't, I just can't ignore that human element. And like you said, Dan, like it's just hard when we haven't seen what this looks like yet. You don't want to maybe get expectations too high considering like, yes, it's Deshaun Watson's first game back, but these other guys have been at this for 11 games now. And, and like, I kind of think it's just hard to maybe break some of the, the bad habits that have arisen or like change the mentality totally like maybe like a big mentality shift is going to happen but that that human element and all of this is just hard to ignore yeah that, i think that, that there was a question i'm, I'm i was going to ask what we learned about this team in the first 11 games but uh we got things to do but uh the, but there was a um there was a part of me that wanted to say maybe maybe this team isn't quite as like we talk about this team like they're way more talented than some other teams but really are they i don't know yeah, I mean, I think mine that's, would be... That's, that's, that's a big thing to float out there and say, hey, let's move on. But I mean, but we have, like, there are questions I think mine would have been similar about, like, there are questions about how this team has been built in, like, some of these draft picks. Like, this is not, like you said, it's not, I think, as cut and dry talent-wise as we thought, or maybe not, like, talent-wise, but just, like, how these pieces fit together and if, like, prospective talent has developed the way we were expecting it to. Do you guys know what Deshaun Watson's record as a starting quarterback is? It's it's not spectacular. Is it still a losing record? It's twenty eight and twenty five. Well, this is when so I come in th- with the Scott Patsko line of wins are not a quarterback <laughs> stat, Doug. No, but we're also talking about we're not talking about how good Deshaun Watson is. We're talking about how many games the Browns are going to win while he is the starting quarterback. And the point is, no matter how good he is, if the rest of the team doesn't do what it has to do, the last time it was a full time starting quarterback, his team was four and twelve. Now they went to the playoff for two years before that, right? Because they were good enough and they had guys like Hopkins and Clowney and other guys that could support it. But he can't do it by himself. And so if this team cannot stop the run and if this team is blowing coverages and Kevin Stefanski doesn't have the art of the play calling down after the first script, he can't do it by himself. So I'm not saying like that's the thing, Ashley, right? If you're evaluating a quarterback, but we're evaluating the team in this discussion, how good are they going to be? You know, he didn't snap his fingers and magically make magically when, you know, if you think they're going to go six and oh, well. That's going to be the other, the rest of the team doing what it has to do. And as Iris said, like, I think what these first 11 games have shown us is that we have more questions 
about the rest of the team than we thought we had coming into the year. Yeah, and then listen, the 2018 Texans went 11 and 5. I was looking at this yesterday. That wasn't like the 07 Cavs and like LeBron James dragging Sasha Pavlovich to the finals. <laughs> they had some dudes on that team. You know, you mentioned DeAndre Hopkins. Um, you know, offensively, there there was certainly some things to, to be desired, but they had DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, you know, Will Fuller was on that team. Lamar Miller isn't a terrible back. You know, he's he's pretty, he's fine. Defensively, you had Teron Matthew and Justin Reed and J.J. Watt and Jadavion Clowney and, and Whitney Merciless. Like, My God, how did they not win the Super Bowl? Right? <laughs> they were awesome. So, I mean, Deshaun was amazing. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that to take away from anything. I'm just saying, like, we should be a little cautious talking about the Texans some of those years as if they were, like, as if he was throwing to, like, you know, it was Deshaun Watson and... I don't know. I don't want to insult any. I was going to say Sean Watson and like the Kent State Golden Flashes, but Kent State's good now. Yeah. Don't insult your so, alma mater, Dan. I know. All right. Uh, listen, here's what we're going to do. Lance Riceland is going to tell us a little bit about what this offense can look like with Sean Watson. We're going to take a break. Then we're going to make our picks. So here's Lance. Lance, how are you? Hey, Dan, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, all right, let's get to it. Deshaun Watson is back. So, I wonder, as you've watched this Browns offense, let's start with kind of the things that might stay the same. What are the things they currently do that they'll still kind of continue to do, you think, with Deshaun Watson at quarterback? Well, I think their run schemes, I think most of their schemes will say the same. I think he just gives you an added dimension to each scheme. Um, so, you know, I think I heard what you said the other day and I, I, on a podcast in terms of, I think people, because of his off-field issues, people are kind of are going to be in shock. This is at a high-level, elite, uh, top-five type quarterback who can compete with, like, the Mahomes and the, you know, the Allens. This is the type of talent he is. So uh, in terms of what will stay the same, I think the schemes will stay the same. Maybe formationally they'll be a little bit more spread. I still see them running zone and counter. Uh, but he's going to give you a lot more options in each of those schemes. Pass-wise, uh, I'm actually interested to see what they did pass-wise. Um, you know, in 2020 – uh, he led the, you know, he had 4,823 yards passing. Uh, they were in a lot of shotgun. Um, they were an 83% shotgun, which was the fourth most in the league. And I'm interested to see uh, how much shotgun he's in. So the Browns have shown they can run all their stuff out of shotgun. Uh, but I think schematically, uh, they'll be pretty much the same. He just gives you a tons more options with his feet and his arm. Yeah. So when you mentioned that the shotgun, you know, I'm thinking back to the spring when we saw him. And, and of course, in training camp, we saw it a little bit, too, when he was getting those first team reps. It wasn't just shotgun. They were doing a lot of pistol looks. Um, you, you could just sort of see how they wanted to use him in, in different ways, um, you know, especially with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the backfield. I, I mean, actually, we were starting to see those two guys together with him a lot, too. Well, yeah, he and once again, the pistol's great because you get the downhill run. Um, I think he's, uh, I think he feels comfortable from his Clemson days in the gun. Uh, it does give you a lot of options with, uh, you know, you can run zone read option. Uh, his ability to press the edge on their levels concept now. Um, you can use uh, Hunt in the flat a little bit. Uh, the run pass options are there. Um, the third down run game is there with him. Uh, once again, you know, you're talking zone read Well, they love zone. Now they just add the quarterback to it. So now you're just, you're taking away a defender or two um, with his talent, you know, with his arm and his feet. So when you go back to what he did with Houston, and then you also mentioned Clemson too, what are the things that Deshaun Watson is really, really good at? 
Well, he's a true dual threat guy. He he runs like a running back, and he is a true pocket guy. So he's a rare Josh Allen type in terms of he can run like a running back and throw like the high-level quarterbacks from um, the pocket. He's got incredible versatility, like you said, um, you know, that third medium in the NFL is so big and he can make plays with his feet, with his arm from the pocket. Um, I think his number one, uh, two, two of his best qualities, I think. One is that he processes information and his ability to process information allows him to have use his arm talent. And arm talent is kind of kind of a, a everybody thinks just arm strength. Well, no, it comes with knowing where you're going with the ball, anticipation, location, accuracy. Uh, he does all those things because he processes so well. So he knows where um, everybody's supposed to be. Then what makes him extremely da- dangerous is that if that doesn't work, he can improvise uh, and make plays that are off off schedule um, and improvise and make huge plays. So he is a nightmare for a defense, either in the pocket or outside the pocket. So who, who do you think in this offense benefits the most from, from having, <clears throat> excuse me, from having him back? Well, he creates conflict. So right now the Browns are a run first team and scouting report tells you that. So you're getting one high hat, uh, you're getting safeties down in the box. So he creates, con- he creates conflict for the defense. Are you going two high hats and uh, stopping, um, stopping him? Or are you going one high hat to stop Nick Chubb? So you kind of got the best of both worlds for the Browns, uh, you know, offensive staff. So I think, uh, Nick Chubb and people, you know, a lot of people have thought that, you know, Nick Chubb will, you know, kind of suffer with him coming back. I actually think he's going to be rewarded because uh, he's going to get lighter boxes to run into. Um, I think the top level guys are going to be fantastic. Cooper and Najoku, those guys. But the guys like Bryant and DPJ and Schwartz and all these guys that um, are kind of on the fringe of, of becoming good pros Elite quarterbacks turn the corner with those guys. So those second tier guys, I'm not, I won't be sh- shocked with the first tier guys, but those second tier guys are going to be really, really good. I think. Yeah, I, th- I think that's kind of the exciting thing about this last six games. You know, regardless of whether this team gets themselves back into the playoff races, we're going to get some answers on, on some of these guys. Like, how does David Bell look? You know, with Deshaun, how does Anthony Schwartz look? Some of these guys that maybe you're questionable about, you don't know if, if they have a future or not, they're going to kind of have a chance to prove it here that they belong as one of those guys that Deshaun Watson can rely on. Well, I've said this before. There's very few quarterbacks you win because of. There's lots of quarterbacks you win with. You know, Brissett was a quarterback you win with. You know, Deshaun Watson is a quarterback you win because of. So he is going to make all those guys, they're going to be maxed in terms of their ceilings. And he's going to push them, um, to get to where they can, or like you said, answering the questions, can they compete at this level? Uh, are they part of the Browns' future offensively? Uh, his ability, you know, now you bring into like scramble drill and you bring in uh, deep passes to Schwartz and you bring in different stuff that maybe hasn't been a part of what the Browns do. Uh, because when you have a guy who can improvise, things go off schedule a bunch. And when things go off schedule with a, a good quarterback like Jacoby, you got to throw away or the ball is thrown in the ground and you live to fight another day. Every play is a possible home run with a quarterback like Watson. So it, it should be interesting. So what are you most excited to watch? Um, not It doesn't even have to just be on Sunday, but just as, as the rest of this season plays out with him. Well, it's funny. I, I'm excited to see – it sounds like I'm excited to see a light in box, and I want to see Nick Chubb run because eventually I want to see the, the what our team's going to do because uh, – he is running the ball really, really well right now. And if you look at some of these boxes he's getting, he's getting seven, eight, nine, nine boxes on the snap. So I want to see, do the Browns formationally get in spread more 
uh, which means nothing to a power run game. It just means you're taking people out of the box. And I want to see um, the combination of a high-level running back with a high-level offensive line uh, and a high-level quarterback. Because when Watson was in you know, Houston, their offensive line was terrible and their skill was just okay, and he still played at an elite level. Now he's got a top-five running game. He's got a top one or two running backs. He's got a number one receiver. He's got a, you know, a, a tight end who seems to be emerging. So I'm interested to see just the step. Do they improve like you know everybody thinks they're going to improve? Okay, did I miss anything? Was there, was there something you wanted to add about Deshaun that, that I didn't ask you about? No, I, just going back to what you said, I just think you know his off-field um, issues have um, kind of clouded in terms of his on-field play, which is, you know, which is what I watch. I watch the, the film and watching him, and when you watch him in 2020 – he is a elite top three quarterback, and I'm interested to see how that fits in with Cleveland. I'm interested to see how it fits in with the future, and uh, you know how long it'll take him to get to to that level. Can he get to that level? How will he play underneath center? Uh, all those kind of things. I'm just looking forward to seeing what happens for sure, like everybody else. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, Browns fans have never seen a quarterback this talented. Uh, you know that that's not saying anything bad about other guys that have played quarterback for this team, right? But that this guy, the talent he brings, and we'll, we still have to see how it translates onto the field after missing two years of football. I don't think Browns fans have ever seen a quarterback with this much talent. Oh, no, in terms of physical skills, and when you talk about weight, you know, all the, the football terms, weight transfer, throwing on the run, you know, and then you talk about leadership and all that, things, the, the tangibles, there's never been a quarterback like this in Cleveland. Now, again, like you said, you have to do it on the field. There's been a lot of time, a lot of time off, but physical skills – uh, between the white lines, there's never even been anybody close. Um, he is a he's a special talent. Um, you know, he's a top five guy that you know. Once again, you win because of you know you win you don't win with you win because of. So it should be interesting for sure. All right, Lance Rice, I'm breaking down to Sean Watson what he might look like with the Browns on Sunday, taking the field for the first time uh, against his old team, the Houston Texans. Lance, thanks for the time. As always, thanks for having me. And back one last time on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, switching gears, uh, because this is sort of our pseudo preview pod. We are making our pick for Sunday's game in Houston, Deshaun Watson's return uh, to where he did lead that team to the playoffs. Right now, the Browns are favored by seven points on DraftKings. The total for this game is 47. So, Doug, what's your pick? Man, like, I feel like all those numbers are like right on it the texans are bad right the texans are bad so it feels only given the browns only given seven in that game i don't know that it's going to be magical right away for deshaun watson but i'll take 28 20 browns win which i will take the browns minus the seven that's right like right at the number for the total so i'd stay away from that bet but um i just think going up and down the line from a talent perspective, like Pierce is a good running back. Can they run the ball on the Browns like everybody else has? Maybe, maybe, maybe. But I also think I'm very aware of the thing that Ashley has said all year, which is like, if this felt like a team that was waiting for Deshaun to come back, what if they were, and now he's back and everybody's like, Oh yeah, no, now we're going to be good. No, 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 he's back. I'm not, I'm now I'm going to be, I'm going to be really good at what I do. And it's like, Oh, well, I actually kind of am holding it against you that you weren't playing at the same level in the first 11 games because kind of like who the quarterback is shouldn't determine how much better you are at your job. But welcome back. 
So maybe it's going to look like, yes, it does look like a Super Bowl roster now because everybody was frozen while they were waiting for him. And maybe they'll go down there and blow the Texans off the field. So I would not want to bet on the Texans in this game. So I'll take the Browns minus 7, 28-20. Irie, what's your pick? All right. So I'm going to take the Browns in this. Somewhat close to Doug's score. I actually came out to 28-23. to And I'll leave it at that. All right. So the Texans to cover. And the and the under, um, okay. Ashley, what are you picking in this game? So I am going to go with the over and the Browns at minus seven at thirty one to twenty four. I think I'm going to go right on that seven. I think this will be the second highest scoring game for the Browns this year, save for that win against the Bengals. So I don't think that thirty one number is totally like impossible for them with an even with a new quarterback like I think again I think this transition might be a little easier than we than we think but they might not totally blow the doors off of Houston um given some of the other issues I don't know so I'll I'll pick it right right at that seven mark okay so Ashley the push and then the over um listen Kevin Kevin Stefanski I know you're an orange and brown talk listener (laughs) I know you have this new toy that you have been waiting for ever since things fell apart with Baker Mayfield. I know you've been waiting all season to unleash this quarterback better than you've ever coached before in your life. But I would implore you, I'm going to be the old school run the ball guy. Take it easy this week. Let Deshaun ease his way back in. The Houston Texans on Football Outsiders have the 30th worst rush defense DVOA. Only the Browns and Packers are worse. Now, I'm not saying not to let Deshaun Watson have some fun and and make some throws and get people excited, but come out, let Nick Chubb kind of establish some things, and then just let Deshaun Watson do the easy stuff for a week and just ease him back into it. That's, That's what I think Kevin should do, and I think he will do that to an extent. I think we'll. I don't think he's going to come out and throw the ball as much as he wants to with Deshaun Watson this week because I think it's really smart to just let him work his way back, shake off some of that rust. So I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. I think the Browns will cover. Um, I actually wanted to pick like I kind of wanted to pick that thirty to fifteen that the Dolphins won by last week, but the Texans that's not going to happen again, right? So I'm going to say Browns twenty eight, Texans ten. I think they're going to win pretty Ooh. easily, and I think they're going to just lean on Nick Chubb and let Deshaun ease his way back in. And I think we're going to come away from this game feeling really good about how this offense can look um, once Deshaun Watson is kind of fully unleashed. But I don't think you have to fully unleash him this week. I think you can be really basic and just go beat the Texans and kind of save some stuff for Cincinnati next week. I agree with that, but also what I would do is I'd have a play where I lined up Jacoby Brissett as an offset tight end, and I'd have Deshaun lateral it to him and then have Jacoby throw it to Deshaun. Yes, I agree. And the rest of the time, run the ball conservatively. (laughs) There we go. Uh, Our preview here for the Browns, Texans, our Deshaun Watson roundtable. We'll cover everything that happens, of course. Can I I interrupt as you're you're shutting this down? Because it it piqued my interest and I couldn't find it online. I didn't see an over-under on Deshaun passing yards. What would you set Mm. it on? What would you put that at? Like the idea of like how rusty he is, how they want to use him. 225? What what do you think is a good over-under? I was thinking like the 220 range. 
So if you're saying 225, I was kind of thinking in that range. That's kind of a, that's not a super conservative number, but it's like, it's conservative enough that you'd at least maybe consider taking the over there. Yeah, I think it's in the 220s. All right, well, at the, here we are at the uh, Orange and Brown Talk Sportsbook. Everybody, I, so it's coming on January 1st. Could we make our own sportsbook? Could we just make this podcast a sportsbook? I don't, I don't know. know how it works. If they can make Dogecoin work, I have a feeling <laughs> yeah. I could make Doug Bucks work. Would you like yeah. some Doug Bucks? Like, that just has if a I nice just, ring to it. Doug Bucks. It has Doug's face out, on it. Oh, if money with my face on I'm for. Yeah. If I gave out the routing number to my checking account and just had people send money in and out, right? Then we're a sports book. I don't know if so you I'm want to give them it. the possibility to send money need. out of it, Doug. Here. That'd be a bad idea. Zero, we're seven, gonna... one, four. Just send me your money. It's, I set it at 225. Just include, are you over or under the number? Oh, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, Doug will give you his social security number, routing <laughs> number, and checking account number. number. Yes, and his driver's, his driver's license, license number. number. <laughs> it's going to be the Doug, Steal Doug's Identity Podcast. If you can the do school. it first and prove that you did it, you get, I don't know what you get, 100 Doug bucks. Also, the name of his childhood best friend and the school he attended in fifth grade. <laughs> And his mother's See, the good thing name, is there. and the name of the street he grew up on. And his, remember what I told you, Doug? Like that that whole thing about the fake name with the the first pet oh, yeah. and the street name. I'm like, you know, that's just a scam to steal your passwords, right? See, I beat I beat the robot there because I didn't have friends when I was a child. So oh, take God. that, robot. Uh, by the way, last time Deshaun Watson was a starting quarterback. 16 games, 14 of them more than 225 passing yards. So we might be a little low. God, I mean, Jacoby Brissett also did that like seven or eight times in the first eleven games. D- D- Deshaun Watson's really good. Like, I, I think that's that's something that I've I've made this point before, and I think it's important. Like, again, sort of like Donovan Mitchell when the Cavs brought him in. I don't think people understood how good Donovan Mitchell was. I don't know if people fully understand how good Deshaun Watson actually is. Like, he's he's really good. So, do you think, by the way, because the last time we saw him live, wasn't it windy? Yes. And it was like, oh, well, that guy, I don't know. That's fine. Yeah. But it's like, <laughs> no, that is not, that is not usually what it looks like. And he still made at least one throw that I remember in that game that was like, whoa, that was, I think it was with Ronnie Harrison draped around his ankle. Um, yeah. The, the guy's really good. You're, you're going to see it here over the next six games. Okay, that's why we did a whole podcast about him. Our Sean Watson roundtable and our preview pod of Sunday's game against the Texans will cover it all at cleveland.com slash Browns. We'll have our post-game pod as usual. Just get subscribed on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave us five-star reviews and say nice things about us. We like that uh, when you can do that as well. Um, and then also become a Football Insider subscriber. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get that newsletter. Get access to those stories on Cleveland.com slash Browns that you need to be a, a subscriber to read and also become one of our text subscribers. So we'll give you analysis, breaking news, all that stuff right to your phone. You can avoid Twitter and everything else. Just let us text you. Uh, Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. For Ashley, Doug, Irie, I am Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.